All right, everybody. Uh, I'd like to welcome our next guest here to Let's Talk Dubs. Um, next guest is from Santa Rosa, California. You guys all know him from Vintage Warehouse. Uh, he's got some pretty dope rides, some slammed uh, crazy model buses, coach built kind of stuff, and some bent window coupes and all kinds of cool stuff. I'd like to welcome from Santa Rosa, I'd like to welcome Greg Banfield from uh, Vintage Warehouse. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I wanted to kind of get into it real quick. You know, one of the first things I always kick this off is kind of what, what got you into VWs? What started off that whole VW thing for you? Uh, it, it started with having a bunch of friends that were into Volkswagens and being yeah. around them and kind of seeing what they were doing. And, and what actually got me into my first VW was I was into old American hot rod, uh, lowriders, Impalas, that kind of thing. And I actually went to go look at a Impala for sale. I found on the, the in the newspaper. And when I got there, it turned out to be a four door. So of course I didn't want it. And when I went to leave, there was a what I thought was a Volvo parked over in the trees on the side bushes thing and ended up being a '64 sunroof notchback. And the guy's house had burned down, and he needed money and needed to get all the cars out of there. So I bought that car instead of the Impala. And uh, that's that was. That's what got me into owning a Volkswagen, and then all my friends kind of taught me from there what I needed to do and not to do. So uh, your so your first VW was a '64 Notchback. Or, correct, sunroof. So a sunroof, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty pretty nice first VW. So so you you get this Volkswagen, and then you're into American Muscle. What what is it about the VW model about the Volkswagen that just kind of keeps you keeps you hooked in? Uh, I think it was more the, I guess at that point in time, the, they were different than what everybody else was doing. You know, I, I was into, like I said, the old Impalas and stuff and mini trucks and everybody was doing that. So I, I was, I've always been into things that are different than what everybody else is doing. So that's kind of what got me hooked a little bit. And then the more I learned and the more I thought, Hey, you can really change these things up pretty easily without spending a ton of money like this this might be the way to go and uh you know first one second one third one next thing you know i got a bunch of them and like hey this is fun so that's uh where it took off from nice and so uh part of what you do over there give, give us kind of a rundown of what what you do for those that are hearing you for the first time and maybe aren't familiar with you what, what do you what does vintage warehouse do well my main thing right now is I do suspensions, you know, transmissions, basically all the running gear, engines, disc brakes, narrow beams. That's my bread and butter. That keeps me busy all the time. And then I have a few cars that clients bring me a lot of return customers. They'll, they'll, I, I don't do body and paint work. I just, I don't. Um, so I have guys that take their cars. I pull them apart. They take them, have the body and paint work done, bring them to me. And I, I build them up for them from there. And then I got the guys that are bringing in cars for oil changes and tune-ups and, you know, miscellaneous small jobs here and there. But uh, the, the majority of what I do is suspension work. And then because uh, that takes up so much time, I don't have a retail store. I have an online store that I sell a bunch of parts all over the world in. So, Yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to get to also was when I first met you, you know, I met you, seeing you down at the VW Classic and the Vegas Bug and all this stuff, and I always saw you had these super cool slam buses, but you were always selling kind of vintage warehouse gear, and then you just always, you were always the guy to go by that kind of had some real rare jewelry for sale, just some, like, you didn't have dollar parts and five dollar parts, you had, like, <laughs> really expensive stuff on display, and I'm like, just, just conversation pieces on I'm like, man, where, where'd you get that? How'd you find that? So uh, my my introduction to you was always, you were kind of the guy that always had like some super cool, really rare stuff. How, how did you get into the vintage parts thing? Because it's not just, you're not selling like reproduction Taiwan steering wheels and stuff like that. Your, your main <laughs> focus is mostly like NOS, OG stuff. Yeah. So the, I don't know what really was set it off originally, but uh, I didn't like the all the new stuff and it wasn't really available when I really started getting into it. And, uh, way back then, you know, pre-internet really, you didn't go online and find stuff. You had to go travel around and buy it. And luckily I had friends in around the world that I would be able to go to car shows and a lot of stuff cheaper in Europe. So I'd go over there and I'd buy 
a ton of stuff that we didn't have here, ship it back. And then, you know, I'm the guy with all the cool stuff because nobody else did that. The internet has kind of killed that. And now everybody does it. So that's okay. But uh, that, that got me going originally. And, and uh, like you said, people kind of knew me for that. So then I'd have people coming to me looking for things and I could kind of put my feelers out the contacts I had and find you something that you're looking for that you can't find anywhere else. And you kind of stuck. Tell me about the bus behind you, the bus and the placard behind you. Tell me about that bus right there. What's, what's the story behind that bus? And uh, give our give give our give our uh, listeners uh, an idea like where they can find that. What, what does it say? Slamomatic. That's the Slamomatic. That was the I'll, I'll call it the original bus. I did a my narrowed first narrowed beam in, which was probably back in 2000, 2001, maybe. And I, I'm. The internet will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I bet you I was probably the third guy to make a narrowed beam. I know George at the butcher shop did one. Uh, he told my buddy Jason about how to do a narrowed beam. I ran into Jason at my buddy Blue's house, and I was looking at this bus that had huge 195, 45, 15 tires on the front, and it was still super dumped. And how did you do that? And he explained it to me. And so as soon as I knew it could be done, I knew I could figure out how to do it. So um I did that bus. Um, I bought it from a friend of mine up in Oregon. It was just covered in rust and I just uh, polished it out. Didn't, there was no rust repair done. I, I, I redid the motor in it and I did the straight axle, first narrowed beam, drop spindles, the whole bit, and uh, kind of became known as the Slam-O-Matic. And if you want your car to look like that, you call me and you say, hey, I want the Slam-O-Matic setup and that's what I can do for you. So it, it kind of stuck. and that's uh, I don't actually know where the car is now. When I, I've learned the hard way a couple of times that when you build something and it catches everybody's attention, if you ever plan on selling it, you do it right then. Because when I first took that bus out to uh, Red Barn and Kelly Park, when I first finished it, I, I could have sold it for three times what I ended up actually selling it for like four or five years later because everybody wanted it, you know, and it went to the UK. And then the last time I heard it was in Germany. and. Uh, it's still driving around and you know I, i've talked to a few people who've seen it since then and it's still holding up so i'm pretty proud of that one and if i could buy it back at an uninflated price i would just for the nostalgia of it so yeah the sentimental value has a lot to do with it sometimes especially when you're when you're go, tr- going into uncharted territory in, right. in, in respect to like lowered cars because you know that, it, it's so funny i was talking with someone not too long ago and i and i we were speaking about the narrowing of the front beams right to get more tire in the front because that was always the challenge with bugs and buses and all that stuff you know even to where you know that's why all the cars are all hacked out everywhere you see them <laughs> and it's like the concept is so simple yet it took people decades to figure out how to narrow a front beam to kind of get it wider but so so that's the original Slamomatic. What 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 issue of magazine is that, that the Slamomatic is in? Is it uh, that Hobby is Trent Ultra VW? Ultra VW. I, I, I get no love from the U.S. magazines. All anything I've ever had featured has always been in a in a, and that actually was after I sold it. It was featured. It wasn't when I had it. I've had three or four cars like that that after I sell them some somebody else features them and at least i get credit but never when i've owned a car except for my two sales flaps uh air mighty featured those for me but uh yeah that was like uh uh 2005 ultra vws so maybe one of the reasons why it probably wasn't featured is because back in 2000 uh, 2001 up to 2005 you know american magazines weren't featuring any patina rusty any i mean it kind of took the the americans a little while to catch on to what was kind of the new the the new style and you know europe has been doing that for quite a while and it's 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 interesting so i'm gonna i'm gonna pose a question to you now so what's your thought in respect to now we've seen the the patina look and then i think we can both agree that sometimes you can see the patina look taken a little too far and so kind of there's, there's a fine line there. You know what I mean? So according to Greg Banfield, what's what's the line of demarcation where it's cool and it goes over the top? Like in your opinion, just for your two cents. When it's gone too far? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. What, what is the patina look gone too far on a car? When, when, you, when it's not safe, first of all, 
and when you got holes in your panels and you know rust rot, rot basically like that's a bunch of surface rust but it was a solid car when you got you know your rockers you can see through them your feet are going through the floor and you know you're you're taking a grinder to your fenders to grind off the paint to get it to bare metal so it'll rust it's it's gone a little far at that point to me uh i'm not going to be one of those super stock guys that's like oh it's only original once and that's the way and everything i have i'm going to leave it because it's original like at some point yeah it's original but it's it's gone you need to fix it um that's the point when it, the patina is not it, it's not patina it's it's just garbage at that point <laughs> yeah yeah so we talked about with you know starting to narrow your beams the first time is that how you kind of started getting into suspension was from narrowing the bus suspension and doing some things like that kind of lit your fire to start pursuing suspension altercations and things like that Definitely. That was uh, just because I'd been pulling leaf springs and putting spindle or uh, yeah, drop spindles on and running temporary spares because I wanted to be as low as possible. Um, and then I found out, wow, I can do this, you know, a safer way that's actually more drivable. Yeah, let me figure out how to do that. And the suspension that's in that bus is probably archaic or not archaic. What's the word I'm looking for? Like it's it's just outdated compared to. Yeah, antiqua antiquated. Yeah, like there you go. Compared to what I do now, it's it's uh, not the same, but definitely got me you know going on how to do it. And I actually did that bus, and I did a fifty-six panel at the same time. Um, and the the panel was actually the the jig. I didn't know what I was going to do, so we stripped the beam down, put it back in the bus, and then started cutting because I didn't want to start cutting and narrowing and all of a sudden my beam isn't going to fit back in so after i did that first beam i pulled it out and then we used it as a mock-up and how to make a jig to do everything from there on out so um so so that's 2001 so right then i think the big talk about that bus was like crap that thing's laying on the ground and he's got 195s on it like how's he doing that so that was kind of the big deal you know when, when you'd come up on that bus so now from, from where that is today to where you, I mean, you're, I think you're, maybe your sales flap is lower than that bus. Definitely. Um, my sales flap, uh, I'll pat myself on the back and I'll tell you, I'll put it up against any static drop bus. It's the most comfortable riding bus I've ever had. And it's, it's laid out and it, it's got old, you know, technology too, cause it, it was pre hybrid spindle. So it's got stock drop spindles. The frame rails had to be notched to clear the tie rods. It's not notched with eight inch pipe to run your tie rods through. It's just got the notch that it's needed and a raised steering box and, and that's it. But it, and that thing runs on one sixty five fifties. I think it's still some small tires, but I wanted it low and, uh, it gets around. <laughs> uh, and, and you're not a small boy, you know, I, I, oh, I've, come on. I've, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen you, you're over six foot. You're a big cat. I mean, you're bigger than me and people tell me that I'm big and, and maybe they're just talking about my bowling pin shape, but <laughs> you know, the, so the, the sales flap is the sales flap tubbed. No, I don't have any, any, none of my buses were tubbed except for my high roof. And the only reason I did that was because I'm so big. Like you said, if I tub some other bus, my head's going to be hitting the the roof. So I, I went a little excessive on that high roof. Couldn't really see out the windshield. So right. You have a, you have a one, one inch foam uh, gardening pad to sit on to drive the bus. Right. It was a little more than that, but it was uh, definitely a different uh, experience. That's for sure. So you like, you like rolling them like that, like the, like the sales flap. That's a good driving good. I mean, no issues cruising that thing, huh? Nice and solid and doesn't yeah, bother. I, I would take that thing anywhere. Like if I had to drive it to Los Angeles today, I would. Uh, the great thing about that is I don't have to because I have a normal car I can drive every day. Options. <laughs> but, but I would trust it to go there, you know, definitely. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because I was having this conversation with someone the other day and we're talking about uh, they were going to buses by the bridge and for them to go to buses by the bridge, it was this big, like, you know, like they were going to get a tattoo. I'm driving my bus there. I'm doing this. And I said, well, I got to be back in town. So I'm going to pull it with the luxury of my 2,500, pull it out, take it down there, camp out, hang out, and then race back home. Because obviously I got, you know, we got wife, kids and all kind of stuff. Your schedule kind of tightens up, but you know, it's interesting how, how, there's this underlying tone of like you get some street cred when you drive it, but 
you know, what's your philosophy on going down the classic weekend? Are you looking forward to spending nine hours in a bus doing 72 miles an hour top speed? And, uh, I mean, even with a big motor, you know what I mean? And, and getting down there after nine hour drive and then, and then hanging out for the whole weekend. Or, uh, I, th- I think I know the answer to this, but, uh, what's <laughs> the, the answer is the last time I went through the classic, which is now who knows what weekend it is. Prado classic, who knows, but I flew, I didn't. <laughs> and then i rented a tahoe and drove it around while i was down there but uh, every every other time i've gone uh i've taken my dually and my two-car trailer or in a closed trailer and i've loaded cars on and i've driven down there did my thing and then turned around because you know i had to be back to work on monday i didn't i couldn't leave the car show sunday at who knows what time beat after being up for 12 hours or you know 24 hours and drive home and function the next day. So we would, uh, I, I, I would not, not drive my bus now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. You bring up a point that I kind of wanted to discuss with you too. It's another one of my favorite topics to discuss. There's the Prado classic. There's all this stuff going on in the Southern California scene, which, uh, you know, my two cents, it's made it really, it's made it difficult for guys that don't live down there to kind of pick. And how do you feel being from out of town? How do you feel it's affected that weekend? I think it's a bummer, you know, same as you, the guys that are local, cool. Now they have weekends, you know, two or three weekends in a row to go do stuff. The guys from out of town, I, you know, I'm not going to go down there, come home, go down there, come down, you know, go back and forth three, four times or two, three times. And I can't just go down there and stay, you know, I got kids and stuff. I need to be home. So it's, I wish everybody could get on the same page and kind of maybe put their egos aside and work together and make one big show, you know, like it used to be where there was, you know, what it was like, almost like things started Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, you were burnt out and you wanted to go home anyway. But, uh, I, I wish that could happen again. But I think even this year, like Prado is kind of the big deal now, but the Octo meet isn't even the same weekend. So who yeah. knows how that's going to work out. I, I know, you know, us, me being from Vegas and, and I've got a lot of friends, you and a bunch of other people that I've met just from going to car shows and kind of seeing it. And, and although we're not from that local area, we all share the bond of being into VWs and we might, all might not have the same exact style, but kind of the repetition of seeing each other on a consistent show weekend, creating friendships. I mean, to me, one of my favorite things, which is why I love Kelly Park. I mean, Kelly Park is just Besides that miserable nine-hour drive from Vegas to get there, it's an it's an awesome weekend. I mean, between between uh, Red Barn and uh, Miguel's open house and Mark Merrill's open house, and then the show, it's it's almost akin to what the classic was. The, the real glue that was the classic, my opinion, my two cents, and I don't know how you feel about it. My two cents was the hotel parking lot. I, the, I agree with you one hundred percent. And there isn't an official host hotel, but there is a hotel that, you know, we found that's right around the corner from Miguel's place, and which is obviously right down the road from the show on Sunday. And we kind of try to fake the classic vibe there, but it's, you know, usually 20 of us, 20 of us instead of 200 of us. Right. I, I'm the same way. And it's, I'm sure I'm a little biased because it's kind of the local show for me, even though it's two and a half or three hours away. But, um, that one I actually drive my cars to. I've I've gone to that one before and you know taken three or four cars and caravan down there and had people drive cars for me because that I don't mind doing and and uh, it's a good time and and it's a bunch of things strung together like you're saying you know it's it's from Friday night till Sunday afternoon and you got something to do the whole time and you know it's not the good old days when 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 you know you had your uh, mega crew cab super long bed. Truly, and you're out there doing burnout competitions with everybody in front of the shop, but that hasn't happened for a while, but it's still, still a good time. Hey, I would say it could happen this year because, you know, in the work somewhere in the back cave, there's a 51 split window with a 2650 type four with 48s on it. That's just waiting to hit the streets. I just don't know when I'll get it back, but D- d- believe me you the next time you see me on a new car that's the official break-in is just to smoke the tires till the hides come off and it's just uh you know it, uh, that's part of the fun of like coming to these meets is bringing out your new stuff showing people what you got kind of meeting up with these guys and uh the classic i mean I, i've been going to the classic since 
shoot. I, I've been going to the Classic since 2001. And so that's when I got back into VWs after I got a little hiatus for a while when I got married in 99 and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, I can't tell you, it's like trying to recreate that whole thing of that Classic Weekend is just, and, and I think it's I think it's primarily because the host hotel is big enough where every, you got your vintage guys there, you got everybody. And then uh, some of us guys that aren't the pro stock vintage guys we get to raid the toy and lit show and buy some <laughs> cool stuff maybe upset the vintage guys because we might pay too much for something or whatever, but, but we got it on our car and you know uh but that weekend hopefully you know if they're listening the guys that put on those southern california events i mean i can tell you from an outsider's perspective it, it's kind of what happened to vegas vegas started to be vegas started to become the weekend and then you started having the division of the the two events that were going on, and one thought his was better than the other, and then it just it, it all it does at the end of the day is dilute the scene. So who knows? Maybe in the next couple of years, you know, something will get going on with another Vegas event. If California can't pull it together, don't get me wrong, I love going to California. I love the weather. I love that whole vibe. But you know, listen, what can you do? You and I are not in control of it, but at least <laughs> we have the we have the memories to share of all those late nights in the classic parking lot. I mean, I, I, when I finished my bus, I finished it in the parking lot at the, the crown plaza. You know what I mean? Like putting in the fuel pump and like the, <laughs> the last little thing. So, um, but I wanted to get back to some of the stuff that you're doing. Cause a lot of people will see you on Instagram and see some of the stuff that you're doing. So let's take it back a little bit into where you originally came up with the concept to do the King crabs. If people aren't aware right now, tell them what the King crabs are, where the concept comes from and kind of how that whole thing came together uh, well the king crabs uh are a deep six horse wheel cut down to a four and a half so the spokes pop out way past the lip way more than a regular four and a half would um i credit my buddy max with the name i was just always calling them oh the sixes that i cut down and then he was like well yeah those are king crabs so i give max credit for coming up with the name as far as actually doing it, I was on, it was either a Porsche website or it might even have been the Samba way back in the day. And there was a guy in, I want to say Canada, somewhere who had done that. Someone basically, you know, had, had shown a picture of here's what this guy did. And again, going back to the beams, as soon as I saw it and I knew it could be done, then I knew I could figure out how to do it. So I got a tape out and started measuring and I think I figured out how to do it. I've been doing doing them for quite a while now and you know they it's nice when i see them pop up on a car you know at a show and i'll be like oh that's that's cool i did that <laughs> you know i'll say i did it i'm not out there with the welder welding them but i got the idea and i got a guy who does them for me so uh it's cool so if somebody wants to go to vintage warehouse and get a set of king crabs if you guys haven't seen them go to go go check out the king crabs on the samba and uh vintage i don't know if you got you got pictures up on your website on vintage warehouse of the king crabs uh probably not that's probably instagram i mean i'm i'm a so, slacker on that so, whole thing <laughs> well you're, you're you're not you're not as much a marketeer as you are a vw enthusiast so that's kind of some sometimes you know well listen you can't you can't be uh jack of all trades you know what i mean right well my, my problem is I, I i i see people posting nonstop of all the stuff they do like it's the newest thing and i think well I, i've been doing that for 20 years that's not new but right. I don't, I don't have time to post pictures of it because I'm actually doing it. You know, like I don't, there's not a group of us. There's, there's me. Right. <laughs> so I'm the guy taking pictures, doing the website, building the cars, doing, mailing the stuff. Like I've spread pretty thin. So I, I, I guess I, maybe I should be picking it up on the social media end of things and uh, getting it out there. Cause I, I feel I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but I feel in this day and age, it's not like it used to be where if you wanted something, you'd go search it out and you try and find it. And then you go, okay, here, this, this guy can do this. Nowadays, I kind of feel people need to be spoon fed. They need it to be in their face. Like they don't want to go look for anything. So if you, you got to be the guy every day posting a picture of what you can build or what you can do. So then people will know, oh, that's what you do. Like, and I'm not that guy. So maybe that's my downfall. Well, maybe it just makes the amount of king crabs out there limited. So, someone wants a set of king crabs. What what's it going to cost them for a set of king crabs? Uh, it's about fifteen hundred bucks plus a set of core wheels. And so, it, that it's might pretty, seem excessive, but you know, go price a set of sixes, and then you realize, you know, when you're taking those and cutting them down, it it all adds up. 
and I, I was thinking in my head what I was going to say is I just sent a set to Vegas to a guy who's putting them on his bus for buses by the bridge, and he paid me thirty five hundred bucks for a set of wheels, and people thought that was outrageous. And then that's well, go price a set of sixes, and then put the labor in, and it adds up. So not for the faint of heart, but it's definitely cool. Well, I think there, you know, at some point, if you you either have the skill to do it yourself. Or you got to pay to get it done, and the reality is, paying for the labor is not cheap. You know, it really takes it, it takes what it takes to do that and to build those wheels and to and to do that uh, that kind of fabrication. So um, I think it's awesome. I love seeing. I, I you know, twenty years from now, people be looking for those king crabs. Like, man, there was this dude from Santa Rosa that just disappeared one day with a surfboard, and he <laughs> and he made these wheels, man. They're king crabs. So now, on on the king crabs, do you do any distinctive markings or anything on the back to, to designate them as your wheels? No, I figure even if I did, if somebody wanted to fake it, they, they'd grind it off or something anyway. So uh, I could probably look at a set of wheels. Well, in the early days, you know, when I was doing them, I'd do them, and then they'd all go to Al Reed and get chromed and detailed or whatever. So every wheel would have his markings on them somewhere, not mine anyway. So, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I could probably point them out if I saw them. I know a lot of guys are taking, and I've done it too, taking the new repop wheels and cutting those down instead. The problem is they don't, the sixes don't look the same. So you don't get the same effect, but, uh, they don't have that same, they don't have the same arc in the, in the spoke. Yeah. Everything. It's weird. The four and a half, and so five and a half repop wheels look close enough. And the sixes are just way, not even the same ballpark. I don't know why nobody fixes that but it's not going to be me so yeah let's get back to talking about some of your uh some of the other things that you're getting into so uh, you know not just rusty relics are your deal i have seen you with a couple shiny cars um you had yeah. did you you had a you had a split window didn't you yeah i i I've, the shiny cars i've had probably i can name on one hand it'd be the the split window rag top i had which i had aside from the suspension and running gear and adding a bunch of like we were talking about accessories i didn't have anything to do with making it shiny it was like that when i bought it and i kind of cleaned it up uh my vendo which is another sales shop i have that is a painted done bus that was like that when i got it and i did all the running gear and (laughs) and everything on it and uh then my 356 which guess what i did the engine and the running gear and the interior on it there's kind of a, a repetitive thing here that i do i find cars that are nicer and kind of clean them up, I guess. I, I don't have the time to build a whole car for myself. Just isn't going to happen right now. So uh, on the motors, who does your, who does your motors? Uh, VW Paradise or Paradise Motorsports is what they're called now, but VW Paradise. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I so, don't, I don't fake that I, you know, do everything like the whole built, not bought thing. Like I'm not going to say that I build everything because I don't. And nobody out there does. There's not anybody that's, like you said, forging their own metal and doing whatnot. Well, you know? Je- Jesse James does. He forges well, his own him. Damascus steel. Besides, <laughs> and I got it. Yeah, and I got to give the guy. And I, I and I don't. I just bust chops because that's kind of the, the the extreme of both ends. Or people like at what point you know does it become a built or bought car? Because when it comes down to it, at the end of the day which side of it are you on and what do you have more dispensable time or money? And so it depends on where you're at with things. I mean, and this is, this is, I think this is an ongoing thread that I constantly have these little bits of conversations, but, um, so it's, it's, if there wasn't people buying cars, then I would be probably running a fish store or something because I would have to find a regular job because I wouldn't have people coming to me to build stuff for them for their cars they'd be everybody did it themselves and well why would you need me why would any of us need any of us so uh i'm on the built build your what you can but you're gonna buy something and don't try to act like you're not and i I have no problem giving people credit you know i get my engines from from paradise i get my some of my interior from you know different people whoever but you know i always give people credit i'm not gonna act like i got a sewing machine and i'm sewing interiors and i'm and I'm building transmissions and I'm building engines because that's not what's going on. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, the reality is a lot of, uh, uh, you know, my two cents, a lot of what a car is about is the stance and the look, you know what I mean? And and that's what grabs your attention. That's what kind of gets you looking at those cars. And, and it starts with a design concept and someone looking at it saying, this is my vision. I want it to be like this now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I built the bull run bus. 
but the bull run bus that I built, my buddy Carlos painted it. I bought a TMI interior kit for it. I had a custom carpet kit made. I disassembled, assembled the whole bus back and forth, but you know, Jake Raby built motor and stuff. So for me, I mean, for a guy without a shop in my garage, build it with a couple newborns. I mean, I, I love it and I still hop in that bus and, and, uh, you know, I don't think there's a big, there's too much emphasis on trying to get your street cred. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, you know, cause my thought is, you know, get them on the road, get them running, get them driving, get them out there. And when you get them out there and, and, and it, people see them, it's what inspires people to go build more stuff. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm all about more cars on the road, the better. So, right. so uh, I noticed on your Instagram, um, you're 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 uh, you're also getting into some some SE bike stuff. What's uh, what's what's up with the SE bike stuff? Talk to me about that a little bit. So that that started with just wanting to do something else with my day when I was home. I have a four year old, so I, I kind of switched gears on my VW stuff as I was switched to instead of doing that full time, I was doing that on the weekends and the evenings. So during the day, you know, I'm hanging out with him and we're at home and I was kind of just getting bored, to be honest with you. So I started building bikes in my garage because I could do it there and it, it took off. You know, I, it was kind of the same thing with cars as people saw car bikes that I was building for myself and then liked the way they looked, liked what I did and then started contacting me and, hey, can you do a bike for me? And honestly, it's it's not what i had planned but it, it took off so i went with it and uh it's it's actually doing pretty good you know keep well, you know it's, it's interesting because there there is that overlap of you know bmx skateboarding all that kind of stuff that was all the rage in the 80s and 90s when kids were coming up and you know that, that was kind of a, a lot of us i know that i transitioned from skateboards into cars and then kind of once i got my car skateboard went in the trunk and uh I don't know if I wrote it much for a while after that, but uh, there's that transition. So there's that there's that natural overlap of those styles. So I think you know there's a natural connection between VW scene, the VW lifestyle. I mean, I've got a I'll, I'll put on the screen for people watching the video. I've got uh, a hot VW. VWs from 1986, where there's a guy doing a tabletop with some mags over a convertible Gia, and uh, you know, but. It just goes to show like that was the epitome of that time. And, and I think for guys, you know, guys like us, you know, as we get older, we're not like our parents were and we're riding bikes when we're a little older than our parents would have ever thought of getting on a bike and doing some stuff like that. But it's, it's a good time. I know that my brother just bought me a, he just got me a 29 inch ripper, you know, big ripper. So, uh, and they're doing rides every weekend and I'm trying to figure out when I can juggle down it with the kids, but it's a great time, man. And I, I mean, I got a skateboard still and I'm a little top heavy to be on it, but, uh, <laughs> I, I still risk it to get out there and break my neck. So, so the SE bike thing's going good. So people can get, people can get SE bikes for you. Most of that stuff's on Instagram though, on the SE bike stuff that you're doing, or do you have a website for the SE bikes? Yeah, that, that's all Instagram and then Facebook. Uh, I didn't want to deal with trying to do another main webpage cause it kind of seemed outdated really that way of doing things. So yeah, it's Instagram and I, couldn't tell you the Instagram name right off the top of my head because it's got a bunch of underscores and whatnot in it, but it's basically Vintage Warehouse Bikes. I think there's an underscore between Vintage Warehouse and Bikes, but um, it's uh, doing pretty well. It's uh, On there on Instagram, I, I post a lot of the stuff that I'm building, whether it's for me or other people, and uh, this gives people something else to look at, I guess, while they're sitting on the toilet probably like everybody else when they're using Instagram. <laughs> but that's all right. So it gives somebody else, give, gives everybody else something else to, to look at on uh, your Instagram connection to see what you're up to. So, uh, right. so if they want to, people want to buy bikes from you, they can just contact you through Instagram and, and get uh, on the list to have you knock out a bike for them. Yeah. It's, I mean, realistically, you know, people think these things are tons of money. Yeah. You can spend four grand on a crazy bike, but they're not that much money, I guess. Um, and, and I'm not an SE dealer. So if you want a brand new SE bike, go down to your local bike shop and buy one because I'm not going to be able to get a deal for you. But if you want me to do some custom work to it, by all means, bring it to me and I can upgrade it for you. And, you know, I, I got a guy who's doing hydro dipping for me now and doing some pretty cool, cool stuff with that. So, um, yeah. 
No, that's cool. That's cool. I, I, I mean, I, I really dig what's what's going on with the with the bikes and all that stuff coming back. Um, I love seeing it. When I went to Volksworld a couple of years ago, they had a vintage BMX show in the middle of you know in, in the middle of the car show, which I thought was pretty pretty sweet. And I'm thinking like, man, those guys had they had American BMX bikes. Huh? How cool. <laughs> who knows a bunch of them probably came over they're probably shipped over there but uh it, it, it's neat to kind of see that coming back it's nostalgic for us because we were kind of around in that scene so um but uh so what so what's coming up for you what's plans for you over the next little bit what's what's the game plan for vintage warehouse uh well i got some customer cars to finish and then i i have a couple of my own cars i'd like to get done none of them again are full restorations but i'd like to get them done and and get them out to start driving them to car shows um the main thing i have is a deluxe 15 window that i can actually haul my son in so i'm going to try to make that a little more reliable roadworthy uh than what it is now with the stock you know gearing and transmission and whatnot but make it a little more road ready so i can throw him in the back of that and we can show up at some local car shows in a Volkswagen instead of a Chevy truck like it has been for the last three years. <laughs> no, no, I hear you, man. It's a, it's, it's awesome to do that, to get the, you know, I, I think the, one of the reasons I bought my bus was I just had, my son was just born when I bought my bus and I was trying to figure out how to convince my wife for us to have a cool car that I could build and we can put the whole family in it. So that, that's, that's, uh, it was my, leverage to get the bus and in hindsight it, it turned around a pretty to be a pretty good thing for us i mean that's a huge part of our family so i mean that, that's i think the the most fun thing about buses is like they're big enough for really i mean i've had i've literally had nine people in my bus classic weekend and like burning <laughs> tires all the way down the front fender wells because the bull run bus isn't tubbed and uh but it's just like they're bigger on the inside than a suburban and then if you put two liter power behind them they scoot pretty good so and then also, that's what I wanted to mention about your stuff. Don't get it twisted. If somebody sees you rolling down the road in a vintage warehouse mobile, you might have to roll up on somebody with a big romping two-liter because you got the loffers doing your motors, and those guys don't play around. So I think that's that's pretty legit. Um, I, I love the style. I love, I, I love the whole vibe you got going on with all your stuff. Every time you come up with something, it's pretty cool. And, you know, even if it's not 100% my style, I still love it just because it just has that look to it. You just have this way with getting the right wheels in the right car. So speaking of wheels, you used to be pretty big into like finding collectible wheels and stuff like that. What, in your opinion, is like the holy grail, uh, the holy grail set of wheels? Oh, uh, for me, it's the wheels I'm running on my sales flap, the magnesium por torque thrust, Porsche torque thrust. There's, I don't know how many there's made of them, you know, somebody out there does, but they're impossible to find. And when you do, you, you hold on to them. You can get aluminum ones. That's cool. I've had those too, but the magnesium ones, they're just, they're cool. Uh, um, aside from that, maybe some, uh, I'm a Porsche guy, wheels guy. So, you know, maybe some deep sevens or something, but those are pretty easy to come by compared to these other ones. So, uh, oh, you, yeah. so you think, you think you could find a set of deep sevens, which are the, which are what the 72 R nine eleven wheels, the rear <laughs> wheels. Right. Um, and you, but I mean, you could probably buy a pair. I think they're twenty five hundred bucks for a pair. Maybe not. I think maybe they're more like six grand for a pair because probably they, they only came on that one car. Right. And uh, but you know, I know I I like uh, some of the you know the cosmics, but now it's like one of those things where you know. I, I bought a bug for way too much money because the guy had Cosmics on it and he knew he had Cosmics on it. And that's why I paid him too much for his 67 bug. And result, I ended up with the Cosmics and now they repop Cosmics all over the place. So, um, I don't know. It's a, you know, I get the whole thing with the, with the wheels. I just love, I just love a nice vintage set of wheels. So now I'm going to ask you some other questions because you're a guy who's had tons and tons of super rare vintage and unique stuff. Okay. What is on your list that you're always looking for? Like, if you could find it, man, like you're on the hunt, what rare part, what rare piece, what is it that you're looking for that's out there that somebody in podcast land might hear and be like, I'm calling Greg Banfield because he needs one of these. And I want those 29-inch rippers. I need someone to design a great website for me. That's what I really need. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. parts wise I, I don't know you know it, it there was a time when that was my my 
reason for going to swap meets is I was, there was always something I wanted to try and find, or I was building a car and I needed something. And right now I kind of have, I think, I think everything I need for the cars I have, uh, it, it's always the weird accessory that maybe you didn't know was out there and you see it and I'm guilty of overpaying, but I, I buy some, when I see something I like, I buy it because I don't want to be the guy later on wishing I had it and going, Oh man, I wish I would have bought that. Cause as, as lame or whatever it sounds is the money's always going to be there. You're, if you spend the money today, you're going to have it later and you're not going to, but you're not going to have that part that you wish you would have bought. So, um, a, f- a funny thing was actually, we were talking about my first car was a sunroof notchback and I bought one years later. It was the same thing, but it was my greatest, the greatest color combo. In my opinion, you could, well, you could put red interior in anything and I'll buy it. I don't care. That's that you got me black with red interior is that's the end of it. And they made, and I had a 64 sunroof notchback that was black with red interior. It was a total basket case, but I bought it because that's what it was. And I started buying NOS parts left and right here and there. And, you know, anything I could find, I bought. And then when I ended up selling the car, cause I gave up on it and, uh, I listed all the parts for sale. I got just a bunch of hate on the Samba, you know, and the old wine threads on the type three parts. And there was people complaining left and right about my parts. And one guy said, my only complaint is how did he find all this stuff? Cause I've had my car for, you know, X amount of years and I couldn't find any of this stuff. And he's only had that car for a year and he has all this stuff. And I responded, I paid for it when it was for sale instead of complaining about it. And that kind of shut everybody up <laughs> and, you know, I'm guilty of it, like I said, but I don't ever want to regret not being able to, you know, have something that I, I should have bought and no, maybe I'll wait till later and then it's gone, you know? Well, and, and that's kind of goes to say like, you know, there's only so many of these accessories that are out there and, or parts or NOS pieces. And when they come up for sale, it's either put up or shut up and you really shouldn't complain about it. I mean, not if you want it, if you don't want it and you could take it or leave it, then, you know, go ahead and complain. I guess I don't know what sense that makes, but the reality is, you know, there you're coming across parts, you get an opportunity to buy them. Now, whether you pull the trigger or not. And I think I'm going to guess that that probably came from you letting something get away that you just get upset about. And you're like, it's never happening again. I'm not letting it, you know, I had a chance to buy it and now it's not getting away. What's the one that got away from you? Uh, uh, let me think. I, I had a chance and it's a dumb accessory. I put it would probably would have never used, but I had a chance to buy the column stick shift for like a split window or an early oval. And it was priced probably a little more than it should have been. And I kind of thought, eh, no, nah, I'm not going to buy it. That's kind of, it was actually at Kelly park one year. And I thought, no, that's dumb. I'm not buying that. It's too much. And then at the end of the day, when I realized I really wanted it, I went back and the guy was like, oh yeah, man, I sold that. And I just, you know, would I have ever put it in a car? Probably not, but I wish I had it, <laughs> you know? Now, are you, no, so are you telling me the, the accessory was to take and put a four on the tree on a Volkswagen? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me the accessory was? Correct. Correct. It, it puts a, a, the shifter up on the column of the, you know, the steering column. Well, I, can tell you, wants- I, I can tell you, I've never even heard of that until just now. This is the first time I'm hearing it. And, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive, but uh, I'm assuming those were, those were super early. I, I'm sure someone on ensemble straighten us all out with all the stuff, but, uh, <laughs> Um, there's, there's a guy, there's a guy at home that has a catalog and he's going through page by page. But, uh, I think that's legit, man. I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty, I've never even seen one. So, um, I've seen the, the, the student driver accessories where it duplicates the steering wheels and pedals and all that kind of stuff, but I've never seen a, a, a column shift for the manual on a Volkswagen, man, that, that is pretty rare. Cause what have you, have you ever seen another one? Uh, I saw, I want to say, I, yes, I have, um, can't recall the guy's name right now, but he had one and I, I think he had it on the Samba maybe for sale. And I think he just kind of wanted to brag that he had one at some point. And that was many, many years before I saw this other one. So who knows, maybe the one I saw was the same one, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen one in a car and I'm sure you've been over to Europe and been to shows there. You see some ridiculous stuff as far as accessories over there that we never even dreamed of. And yeah. you see it over there and you go, Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's the thing, oh, huh? Oh, I thought the one I had was rare. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome, man. And so, you know, I wanted to also ask you about, 
because I know you used to be big into selling parts at all the shows and doing that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about how the Samba internet sales, eBay, all that stuff has kind of changed the way you sell parts. Bottom line, I think, and I'm not mad about it because I'm guilty of it, but I think the internet has killed swap meets. That's just the bottom line. And I'm guilty of that because I sell parts online all day long. I got boxes leaving here all day long. That's what I do. Um, it used to be go to a swap meet to sell parts so I could pay my bills. That was it. I needed to be at every single swap meet. I'd drive to Pomona every six weeks. I did all that stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd hit Bugarama, you know, the first one. It was the probably the biggest swap meet I've ever been to. And it was huge. And you just went there and you knew you were going to sell. If you didn't sell everything, you'd sell a lot of it because people, that's where they came to get their parts. Nowadays, people can sit home at two o'clock in the morning eating Cheetos in their underwear on their computer and buy whatever they want. And they do. So I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to make sure I have stuff for people to buy that's online. And I don't have to go to the show and I don't have to have somebody beat me up on the part. Tell me you can find it two stalls down for cheaper. I just, uh, you know, I, now more so I go to car shows to hang out with my friends and see people that I wouldn't otherwise get a chance to hang out with. Um, yeah. But, uh, I still go to shows to sell stuff. It's just, it's not as, uh, you just bring out the jewelry. Now you just bring out the jewelry. It's not as aggressive as it used to be. There used to be a point in time where I had to be set up before anybody came in. I had to have my display on point and, you know, if, if this guy was going to walk by and I didn't have that part out there, he was going to get it from somewhere else. I always, that was my train of thought. And it sounds ridiculous when I say it now, because those same guys walk by you 10 times all day long. They don't, they don't buy the first thing they see, but now I just take out the stuff to make it look like I'm there for a reason other than just hanging out. And yeah, there's been times where I've driven to car shows and never unloaded a thing. It all sat in the back of the truck or my bus. And I sat there and BS with people all day long and then went home, you know, but that's fun. So, yeah. um, I, I wouldn't be mad at, you know, the Samba or eBay or any Facebook even now for people selling stuff. It's, it's great, but, uh, it definitely is taken away from the swap meet and the, and the people showing up like they used to. Well, yeah. And my point really wasn't, wasn't like, are we blasting with hate or anything? But I think the dynamic has changed and it's changed a little bit of that element of excitement of getting the swap meet early, trying to get through there before the next guy's there. I mean, I was going through pictures that I had from the 89 or 88 Jamboree that they used to have at Costa Mesa. And it's like a guy's got NOS single cab truck corners and they're like, 250 i'm like and back then i was like that's crazy man who would ever pay 250 for that but it's like all the nos little parts and bits and pieces that you saw out there but there was kind of that excitement and uh you know that the the, the dynamics of the internet have changed all that but it's also made it super convenient so you don't have to drive from here to pomona and get rained out in the morning or <laughs> Any of those other shenanigans or, you know, stay up all night with one eye watching all your stuff, making sure nothing walks off. But, you know, that being said, how do you find cool stuff now? Like what? So give us some tips and tricks out there to some of those in podcast land that are listening that like they're just going to go on an adventure. What are some of the clues that you look for and how do you track down some of these parts that to keep your inventory up? I can't tell you everything because then you wouldn't need me, but it's having a network of people who know what you do. You know, there's, there's still plenty of guys who have stacks of NOS parts. They're never going to get rid of all of them, but they'll dish them out, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And it, it's just having connections. And, you know, as much as the internet has changed things, there's also still a lot of deals go down behind the scenes that nobody ever hears about. And, you know, people, I know there's people that are looking for things I have. So I take care of them. I, people know there's things I'm looking for and we kind of all help each other, I guess. And, uh, I, I don't know that, you know, I, I used to take the trips to Europe and, and over there and, and, and buy tons of parts and bring them back. And that was great, but I don't think there's really any point to doing that now because by the time I'm home with my stuff and have made it through customs, the guy I bought it from selling his leftovers still on online and cheaper than it's. I can afford to sell my stuff for now. So it doesn't, doesn't work anymore. So, but you didn't give me any tips or tricks. Give me some, no, I, 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 I want, listen, I want a Craigslist tip from you. Give me one Craigslist tip as you're hunting as being the master hunter. 
Give me a Craigslist tip. Miss mistype a lot of mistype Volkswagen. <laughs> NOS Rare is a good one to search. NOS Accessory is a good one to search. Uh, that that's your tip. That's your Craig's Craigslist tip of the day. All right. Well, I had to get something out of you. I had to get something out of you. Well, cool, Matt. Hey, you know, Greg, I've loved having the opportunity to sit down and chat with you, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We've been ha- we've been hammering it out here for almost an hour now, so uh, it goes quick. There's some great <laughs> stories. If you guys happen to see Greg at a show, tell him what's up, and you know that he's always down to to talk about dubs. He's a good guy, but it only goes so far. He's there to make a few dollars. So you might want to buy something from him or purchase some <laughs> swag, go visit his website. Uh, anything you want to leave us with Greg before we, uh, sign out here. I think we covered it. I don't, you know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and say something dumber than I already have. So I'll just, well, say, I, can, you know, I can loop that. I can just keep looping it. So <laughs> yeah. I just say, Hey, thanks for having me. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about, you know, my little small thing I got going on here. Well, right on. And give us your website one more time and how they can get you on Instagram. Uh, vintagewarehouse.com is my website. The bike stuff is uh, vintagewarehouse underscore bikes. I believe my Instagram for the shop, the VW stuff is vintage underscore warehouse underscore VW underscore shop. It's probably not, but I think that's what it is. But if you check hashtag vintage warehouse, You'll find you'll find me and you'll find some poor lady in 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 England that has an antique store that's called Vintage Warehouse that probably hates every time I post up pictures of the buses and hashtag that, but that's that's her problem, not mine. Well, and I think uh, people also can search it just by searching Greg Banfill. Uh, they can probably pull you up quite a bit on uh, on Instagram and whatnot. So, hey man, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners are going to get some stuff out. If you guys get any questions. Anything like that, submit it to the podcast. Go to the, go to letstalkdubs.com. Fill out the, in the comment section. Type in any of your comments or questions you have, and we might talk about some of those on the air. I appreciate you coming on the show, Greg. Good talking to you, and I'm sure I'm going to see you coming up here at Kelly Park. All right, brother. <laughs> you bet. Right on. Take care. Thanks. All right. started so the first thing that i wanted to let you guys know is this podcast is primarily focused on the air-cooled vw scene worldwide Uh, 